I'm Nicole Rideout Hartwick, and I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Gibson Sotheby's International Realty. I'm very excited to be here today with one of the newest additions to our team, Jenny Pardo de Zela. She is our new VP of Marketing, and we feel like that's a really great topic for today, very timely for the market that we're in. So we're going to dive in with an intro to Jenny and transition into just sort of some marketing tips that she has for agents. Um, thank you for being with me today, Jenny. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are going to go through, like I said, I want to go through sort of your background, how you got here, um, and then use that knowledge that you have to, to just lay out some tips. So sort of like, how are we supposed to be using marketing at this point? Why is it so important? Um, and what strategy could we use um, to employ it? So if you could give me a little background on yourself to kick us off, that would be awesome. Sure. So um, I started in the real estate business about 15 years ago. I started as an administrator at an independent office in Newport, Rhode Island. And from there, I worked my way up to um, creating a marketing department and running a team of about six. Um, I most recently was the chief marketing officer at Mott & Chase Sotheby's International in Rhode Island, and I've been there for about seven years. Um, so I have had a background in real estate luxury marketing for about 15 years. Um, I do actually come from a family of real estate in a kind of a sideways way. I have aunts um, that have participated in real estate over the years. My cousin is currently um, an appraiser, and so it's always been part of family discussions and around the Thanksgiving table and whatnot. So it's just always been there. That's awesome. And you had mentioned um, coming up through luxury real estate. And I think right now what's so interesting is I do believe that the true professionals are going to rise, right, with Agreed. this market. And that's important to have that luxury background. But also there is going to be a push for people who have been through a shift like this, right, a normalization. So you've been through one, I think. When did you start? So I started in about 2006, 2007. Okay. Um, and yeah, absolutely going through a shift um, and taking a look at, you know, it was a totally different market and things were very, very different then. It was a, it was a mortgage issue more than it was a housing issue. Mm -hmm. um, but I will tell you, the company that I was with taught me one of my first great lessons, um, which was really, you know, you can't back off. Um, and to just really stick with the basics and, sure. and to do what works. That was really, I think you kind of covered what attracted you to real estate, but I don't know if you had anything to add to that. Um, you know, I will be honest with you. There are days where I wish that I worked for Nike and I, my product was Air Jordan, right? And I knew what my marketing plan was going to be for the year. I knew what product I would have. I sure. knew where I was going to be and all of that. Um, the fun part about real estate is that it changes day to day. As you know, I mean, we could get ready to roll something out at nine o'clock in the morning and it's off the market at 10. Yeah. And so you have to be very nimble um, and you need to be able to think on your feet. And that's appealing to me yeah. and to be creative. And I'm glad you said that because obviously I was a part of this hiring process when we found you, which I was so excited um, that we were able to link up. And I think that that we realized in that moment, there are a lot of people that get into real estate from really successful marketing careers yeah. elsewhere. And right now just wasn't the time, I don't think, for that reason, um, for someone that doesn't have the background in real estate, because like you said, it's such a different animal um, to be in this market, you have to be nimble. You have to be able to create the marketing so that you can utilize it, yes. I think, as an agent, even if the property's off the market at 10 a.m. Yes. Um, so if we could get into a little bit of that, um, with the shift that's happening, everybody's become really accustomed to you know, wading through 20 offers. And it's, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge two ways, right? So to help communicate with the seller. 
Um, and then also we're gonna have to reach deep down into our toolbox and a toolbox that is a little dusty at the moment. If you could just walk us through with the market shift, right? So yeah. everybody, it's, we haven't been as used to digging deep into our toolbox. There's a lot of tools that we can use as a brand. There's a lot of tools that we provide as a company. And the people that have been the most tech savvy are admitted, admittedly saying, I haven't used these things in a long time. So today I would really like to walk through with you what's in our marketing toolbox and, and why should we be using it? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. Um, you're absolutely right. The last few years, most agents haven't had to to rely on their marketing skills, right? They've been able to essentially, uh, to some degree, put a listing into MLS and they get multiple offers and, and it's gone within a day or so. And, and that has completely changed. And so um, to me, it's really getting back to basics. So you need to understand a couple of things in order to, to market yourself and market your properties correctly. Um, one is don't, don't pull back on your marketing. In, in this time, um, the agents who do pull back from their marketing will essentially become invisible to their clientele, right? So you need to make sure that you're in front of people all the time. Well, people are more nervous than ever. People I think. are more nervous than ever. Um, but you know, I don't remember the exact NAR stat, but you know, so many people don't reuse their agent because they forget about them. But yes. the agents who stay in touch with their clients are the ones that have continued business, right? Yes. Um, and my take on marketing is a little bit different than what you would hear from a traditional marketer because it is real estate, and we don't sell a product; we sell a service. And so you have to rely on your sphere of influence and you have to focus on them. So a lot of what we're gonna talk about today is how you stay in touch with your sphere of influence more than anything else, right? Mm -hmm. You wanna to talk to the people that know you, like you, trust you, sure. instead of the average person walking down the street. So the first thing is don't, don't pull back. Make sure that you are um, consistently marketing in front of people. Um, there's lots of different ways to do that. Um, there are, you know, through Sotheby's International Realty, you've got all of your properties are gonna you know, be syndicated out to multiple websites and you can be using your list track reports to make sure that you know where your property is being marketed and, and that sort of thing. Um, you have design vault templates available to you if you want to do any social media marketing, postcard marketing, and all of that. Uh, you have an amazing team here at Gibson Sotheby's International Realty that will help you create, you know, um, personalized pieces that you can put out. So you have all of those different things that you can really get going. But I think more than anything else, you need to position yourself as a trusted voice and a trusted advisor in this market. You need to make sure that when you're talking to your clients that you have the facts. There's going to be a lot of confusion in this market and a lot of competing and juxtaposed headlines. So you need to be able to make sure that you have the information and that you're presenting the correct information to your clients. Sure. And you can do that in, in a multitude of ways. Mm -hmm. When you become that expert, there is that flight towards quality as well. And clients will reach out to you because you are their trusted expert in the market. You know, um, There's a reason that people have favorite newscasters. We were talking about that earlier today, right? I think a lot of people of a certain generation uh, will refer to like, Walter Cronkite, right? Like he, everybody knew who he was and he, he was the voice of reason. You want to position yourself as that person. Sure. And then the other piece with marketing is there's uh, the rule of seven in marketing, which essentially says that you need to be in front of somebody at least seven times for them to remember or interact with your brand. That's a traditional rule in marketing. Um, I would argue that it's even more than that now because we're bombarded with so much information day to day. When you look at your phone and you've got all sorts of things that you're scrolling through, mm -hmm. um, you probably need to be in front of somebody 20 different times sure. before they remember your name and your brand. Mm -hmm. And so if you're assuming that because you did a deal with your clients five years ago that they're going to remember you but you haven't reached out to them in, in one way or another, chances are you're going to lose that business. So right now, marketing is more important than ever. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I'm actually someone that just went through um, like the home search process. So it was really interesting for me to be on the other side. And I, I mean, this is just my opinion and not something we discussed ahead of time, but I think you can do those things, but I think really important to be, like you said, presenting real things that are helping people. And I think the thing is, is sometimes we lean on those types of obvious things, right? We're like, okay, well, how do I keep in touch? Like, like rule of seven, how do I just make one touch? But there's also really obvious things that you might feel are obvious that are not obvious to the client. And I think that's really what we need to think a lot about, especially for seasoned professionals. I know lately we've had a couple lenders in and things like that, talking about arms, talking about three, two, one buy downs, things like that. And seasoned people who have been through multiple shifts, they're like, well, yeah, well, that's like foreign at this point. So it's really interesting when you think something might be obvious to do all the things you just said, use all these tools to get out those messages that you think are obvious, but they're not, they're not front of mind. And I think that if we can use those things, it's education really, and the steady hand, like you said. But I think that really I, what I do see is that I, I'm guilty of it with our agents, right? And with things like what we're talking about today, oh, everybody must know about that tool. Well, they don't, right? We right. have to, it's our job to get out in front of them. So if you kind of think about it that way, I think there's a lot of valuable information that agents have that they could use to touch their sphere that they just don't realize because to them, it's it's an everyday obvious thing. Um, so it's just something to think about for sure. Well, I, but to your point, you know, a lot of times when I talk to real estate agents, I, I, I accuse them of speaking in realtor ease to themselves and to their friends and not describing it to their clients and the agents that will go through and will explain what is a home warranty? What is a pre-inspection? Like, yeah. and they take the time and they actually use that in their marketing, become more trusted, right? What you know yes. is part of your day, right? And right. so you're the one that they look to for that. Yeah. Um, I think when you have that opportunity to present that information in a in an educational way, um, in a personal way, you have the opportunity to set yourself apart. I think advisor too. And because when you look at like your financial advisor, you expect to hear from your financial advisor for a review every year at least, right? Sure. And I think for a long time, real estate was seen as, and again, this might feel like something that's obvious, but it was seen as something that happens so infrequently. It's not that infrequent anymore uh, at all. There's a lot of people who want to get into investing and there's a lot of people who are interested in different aspects of it. And I think that we almost need to think about that, like a yearly review. Let's talk about the properties. Let's just put it out there. And if someone isn't interested in making a shift, that's okay. Um, but I think that we almost need to just think of the frequency is a little bit easier. I think that's the hurdle that people have to get over is, it's hard to be in touch frequently with valuable information right. when you can boil it down to simple information is valuable. Correct. I think that's what, what I'm trying to get across. So yeah, no, I love, and all the tools we talked about. So I guess that leads us right into how, um, how do we do that? How do we use these tools that we're talking about? Well, I think, um, you know, the, the first thing to remember is that you really don't have a product to sell except yourself, mm -hmm. right? So um, you're a service industry and you need to figure out your messaging around that. And I think, um, you know, take your real estate agent hat off for a moment and put on your client hat. Um, when you go up to a cocktail party, what do people ask you? What is the first thing that they ask you? What's How's the market? the market? Yeah, all of those questions. So your marketing should answer those questions. Right. Um, I guarantee you nobody walks up to you and says, so are you number one in your market? Right, right. What's your market share? You know, your clients that are working with you, while it may be important in a listing presentation a little further down the road, that's not really their first question when they're meeting you at a cocktail party. Yeah. So, so many agents use that as their first interface with their clients, with their marketing. And to me, that just seems a little self-serving mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't really hit 
with the client. So I would say, you know, kind of figure out what your messaging is and your messaging should be based around your clients. Now, each market may have different messaging. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a niche market, that may play into it. Um, but really kind of figuring out that market, what's important to your clients and establishing your messaging around that. Not a surprise. No. Budget. You got to figure out your budget, right? Um, what are you going to plan for for the year? Um, on average, most real estate agents will reinvest about 10% of their income back into their business for marketing purposes. Mm -hmm. um, and so you want to make sure that you're, you're looking at that. Um, and then again, we talked about sphere of influence. I'm a huge fan of this because the, just the return of investment is so much greater when you market to people who know you and like you and love you versus strangers. Sure. Um, you need to make sure your database is up to date and you have to have a system in place to make sure that you're consistently updating your database. Mm -hmm. um, I would say um, that should be one of the number one things that you focus on. If you've done nothing else, if you get nothing else from this podcast, sure. get your database in order. And right? a great time of year to do it, I yes. think. That's kind of like holiday season is always when I try to remind people I'm guilty of it. It's yeah. so hard. And sometimes you think you just need to jump on social media and like say something. It really is more important to get your database organized. And yeah, and I would say if you want to be advanced and take like marketing 501 kind of thing, segment your database. Put them in buckets. Can sure. you can you figure out I've got sellers and buyers versus home time first time home buyers yeah. versus um, luxury homeowners with an oceanfront property, you know, versus uh, homeowners that have properties around the globe. You know, the more that you can segment and bucket, the more you can drill down on that marketing, and the more personalized it is and the better return on investment. That's marketing 501. I know that's a lot for a lot of agents. No, so let's important. just start with sellers and buyers. Yes. <laughs> but it's sort of really important to think about this because I think it's quality versus quantity. And right now, Correct. everybody's looking at like, how can I reach more people? And that slides back to you. Just You referenced niche marketing and kind of like the micro market. Yes. And I really think that's an important point to drive home too. I think where people are trying to like scream louder than the next, a lot of people on social media and things right now, which is a great tool, but it's one of the many in the ecosystem, obviously. And I think we're overlooking sometimes the micro markets, especially now, I think COVID, the how accelerated the change was with COVID has made this normalization, this market shift, a really interesting one. It feels like the markets are all even more niche than they've ever been. Right. And that is something, again, with the obvious, right? You might have your one or two towns that you really know really well. And everyone in those towns, that's all they care about. I mean, I know Colleen's right. been saying, and a lot of people have been saying, there's no national real estate market. There is just your micro market. There's the markets that you serve and you have to be able to speak to those and you can, right? right. They can, it's just focusing in. So I think that all just kind of ties back. I was listening to you talk thinking, that's just a really good point to drive home and it ties back to segmenting your database it might feel like a lot, but even if you just did two segments beyond seller and buyer, right? If you just did your specific town and you could speak to that because you don't, you don't want to cast a wide net and be sort of, just talking in generalities to people that, cause then they start to not hear you, right? Cause right. you're not saying something that's useful to them. So I think that that's a point I really wanted to drive home, which I loved from what the notes you had sent over prior to is just like, let's dive deep into our sphere, into what people really want to hear and realize if we can say something valuable to say 10 people, it's more, it's going to create more results than saying something very general to yeah. 300. Well, it also shows that you truly know your market. I mean, sitting here, we're what, just a couple miles from the South End office and of course the Back Bay office. And all of those different office meetings have different numbers and different results. And you really are different. And so learning all those different pieces and then being able to speak to that market really just, again, proves that you're the expert in your market. And that's what your clients want to hear. Yeah. They don't care about what's happening 
in Back Bay if they're in Beacon Hill, right? Um, just the same way that Provincetown probably doesn't really care what's happening in Chatham, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. they are just totally different. So once you can really hone in on that and understand your market and your clientele and speaking to them directly, and again, answering the questions that you get asked all the time, Right. Right. That's going to set you apart. I love that. And I think the big thing to kind of pull out of that whole section of how, how are we using these, these tools is let's not stress over social media. I just want to drive that home. Yes. Social media is great. It's a very fantastic tool and it's something that should be in, in the middle of all yeah. of this. But I love that we're just driving down on, on quality because I think that that feels like less sexy in the moment, but it drives results very well. So you don't have to be overwhelmed with the tips that you're giving today. And that's what I want people to take out of this is like, doing your database, doing these small little steps are gonna get you so much further than worrying about making sure you're posting every single day about right. something general that it's, it's you know, it isn't, it's good to be front of mind, but just that's a consistent piece that you can just turn on um, and we could get into that. But thank you, that, that was all really helpful. And I guess pulling out now, so we're saying niche down, niche down, but right, pulling right. out, like just a general marketing perspective, what do you believe that everyone in the industry should be working toward at this, at this moment, right? From a general marketing so perspective. So I think, you know, um, you hear it all the time, but I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand. When you're in a real estate sales associate, you have your own business. You are the CEO, CFO, and CMO of your own business, right? And um, there's a reason that I'm here at Gibson Sotheby's International Realty, and that's to make sure that we have a, a strategic marketing plan for the year. And I would highly recommend that you do that as an agent, that you look at creating what they what I would call a multi-channel marketing plan, which means if I've got to hit people seven different ways, I can't count that they're going to be on social media every time. So I need a strategic plan and how I'm going to get in front of them mm -hmm. throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year. Um, and I suggest a digital first strategy. Um, first of all, it is extremely budget friendly. Um, and then the other piece of it is, is that most people are spending the majority of their time on digital platforms, right? So um, we just attended the Sotheby's International Realty Leadership Forum in um, Scottsdale, Arizona, which was fantastic. And Brad Nelson, who's the CMO of Sotheby's International Realty, pulled out a really great stat and he had a graph. And basically it said that the minutes per day where adults are spending their time and um, a combined 15 minutes on magazines and newspaper, 15 minutes per day, hmm. and 470 minutes a day on digital. Oh so my God. that's where you want to spend your time. Sure. If that's where your clients are, that's where you go, right? Like they build it, they will come, right? Sure. And so when you're looking at digital, you're looking at obviously social media. Email marketing is the unsung hero. Um, I have heard more agents say to me over and over again, I don't want to bombard my clients. I don't want to be intrusive. I've signed up for every email under the sun, and if I don't like it, I just Unsubscribe. unsubscribe. It's not that hard, right? It's not that difficult. Now even Gmail has a button. Do you want to unsubscribe? And you just say yes. Yes. Right. Um, but you need to be in their in their pocket, literally in their pocket on their phone consistently. Mm -hmm. um, and even if they don't read your email, they see your name. Right. And it's one more touch, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think face to face is something that you just cannot compete with. There is. It has been lost over COVID, certainly. There's a reason that you and I are sitting down here today instead of trying to do this on Zoom. You know, we can read each other's body language and understand each other. Um, my snarky sarcasm doesn't always come through in a text, right? But it will in a, in a, in a sure. sit down conversation. So when you get the opportunity to sit down with your clients, that should be part of your marketing strategy. Are you doing client events? Yeah. Are you thinking about that? Um, does that mean that you're just doing, hey, can you meet for coffee one day? Or are you doing a big party? Whatever it is, whatever works within your budget. Yeah. Um, and then I do think that that print does have a place. Right. Um, you know, there are still white papers that come out every single year that say your high net worth individuals still read print. Sure. They're not in every print. 
but they read the big ones. They read the Wall Street Journal. They read Financial Times. They like some of their glossy magazines, mm -hmm. right? Um, depending on where you are and what's your market, you may want to look at your local print. If it, it, there are some markets that it is the absolute go-to news resource. And if, if that's the case, then check that out. Otherwise, you should think about direct mail, you know? And again, don't target everybody. Right. Just your sphere of influence. If you just have 100 people that you target once a month with a postcard, yeah, it's one more way to get in front of them. So multi-channel, meaning social, email, print, and face-to-face. -face. Yeah. No, I love that you walked us through that. And what I think is really interesting is when you joined, I had a few questions that were just very honest about what does Jenny do? Because I am seeing, right, so we've gone, I was in the marketing department 10 plus years ago and it was two, we were two or three offices and we're all in one place and we were cranking out postcards and copy. And I think that we've transitioned and we have people that have been with us this whole entire ride. And right now the strategy is so important. And I think that this answers really well what you are doing. I mean, obviously you're doing like helping with all of the marketing, having a fantastic team that's doing so much and everything is just as important. But right now strategy for our company and for the agents and for the entire industry is so critical. It's not, so I think for the last five or 10 years, we've almost lost that because yeah. the strategy wasn't so mission critical. I mean, like you said, the things were just selling. Um, so you walking us through that just shows, I, I was really impressed with your forethought. You, you have the ability to look at, you know, 2023, what are we going to do? What is the budget? How are we getting this done? How are we hitting different people? And sitting with agents and walking through that. So I want to make sure that I drove that point home because I think every agent should be taking advantage of that because you have this really great strategy that you'll set and make easy for the agents because that's what we need. We need it to right. be that they can just make it turnkey. We can use the marketing team, make it turnkey, and start to sharpen their tools or sharpen their acts um, because yep. there is a lot that we you know, kind of forgot about, I think. Even the most seasoned people, we've, we forgot about things. Right. Um, so I think it's really important. So I guess another question is just, so beyond just leads, how do agents guarantee their marketing efforts are really working? This is the question that plagues me. So, here, so here's the fun part. When you're the CMO of your own company, you get to control everything, including the service that you provide. Mm -hmm. I don't get to control that, right? So I get to control the messaging, the branding of Gibson Sotheby's International Realty. But at the end of the day, I'm relying on staff and agents in particular to control the service and the experience. When you're the CMO of your own company, you don't have to worry about that. You get to control it. So um, you can start by asking. It's a simple question. How did you hear about me? Sure. Right? If it's somebody that you're part of your sphere of influence that you're consistently targeting, you can absolutely um, watch that. If you're using digital, you can track it. All, all of your digital has analytics. That's the nice part about that digital first strategy. You can look at your website analytics. You can look at email open rates. You can look at social media analytics and you can see what kind of reactions you're getting. Um, but you do want to keep track of, just like any business would have, uh, you know, whatever your CRM is that you're using to keep track of how people are getting in touch with you and where those phone calls and, and leads are coming from. Um, more than anything else, I think one of the greatest things that you can you can hear is, um, and it's you're not always going to hear marketing, right? Nobody's ever, very rarely is somebody going to say to you, um, "I came in because of your ad," right? I think of when you think about marketing, you're looking for that experience and that consistent experience, right? And this is not a luxury example, but just bear with me for a second. Yeah. You have a, a young child, and I know that you feed him very healthy, but um, but my guess is that in a couple of years, he's going to understand what the golden arches mean. And the golden arches typically mean chicken nuggets, right? Well, for most children around the country, golden yes. arches mean chicken nuggets before they can read. Okay. Okay? It's a consistent experience. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're looking for. 
McDonald's still advertises. They don't advertise for anything other than top of mind. You don't walk into McDonald's and go, I wasn't going to come in here today, but I saw your ad. Right. It's just that consistent sure. messaging over and over and over again. Um, and children know it. They understand that it's chicken nuggets, right? Yeah. Again, consistent experience. Mm -hmm. It's going to come out quick. It's going to be a, a, a price point that I'm used to all the time. Um, so when you're looking at your marketing and, and, and is it driving any business your way, right. um, are you staying true to your messaging? Right. Are you delivering your consistent experience that you're talking about? Do you have testimonials that can back that up? Are you using that in your marketing? Right. Um, are you talking to your clients? That's really all it is, is having that conversation with your clients and understanding wh where the business is coming from and just, just chatting with them. Yeah, so I think you're the guru, right? So you're doing a really good job of simplifying, but I'm gonna go even further on some of this. And I think that that's what I, I was thinking when you were saying segment and when we're talking about this, it's so funny because some of this might overwhelm people, but mm -hmm. what is one of the biggest parts of marketing and being like getting yourself out there is your community, right? That's a part yeah. of the niching down and, or like making your message consistent. All these things, they sound probably overwhelming. Someone's like, oh my God, oh my God. Like if you're taking notes, it's not. What it really is, is making your messaging consistent is you, you, you being yes. you. <laughs> yeah. So if you're consistent to yourself, yes. that's great in your community, even better. And when you're showing up now, we're back, right? Like it was really difficult for a long time to show up. We had to find different ways like this. I mean, in the spirit of collaboration, I wanted to put this together to try to connect everybody further. I think that you've been doing such a good job of getting into the offices, but again, it's almost like multi-channel, right? We want you to be front of mind for people, for them to know that they can tap you and feel like they get to know you, but that doesn't mean you're not in the offices all the time. So it's a good example just to try to like boil it down for people, but we don't have to be overwhelmed necessarily. Like let's think about niche as our community. Let's think about consistency as just being authentic to yourself and people mm -hmm. like you, that's why they're working with you. Um, and then some of these things, yeah, they might be a little bit of a hurdle, um, things that you could, but some of them are simple too. So I wanted to just sort of like tie the bow around that, that like the community is really a big piece of this. And if people can get involved, that's great. Um, I have a question about sellers. So talk to me through, right? So I'm an agent and I've been doing what I've been doing for the last couple of years and everything's been going relatively quickly. Now things are going to stay on the market a bit longer. And that's what we're seeing. We're, we're not seeing, I mean, knock on wood, we're not seeing m massive price changes. I mean, that's really what happened in the city during COVID. It was days on market that extended. Sure. But days on market can sometimes be dollar signs for us and for the agent because Absolutely. it's more marketing that's Absolutely. needed. So like, maybe you could walk me through that strategy twofold. How does the agent do all of these things, use all, all of these tools, but maybe spread them out so it doesn't get as expensive? And how do we talk to the seller about doing that, right? Because the sellers might be really nervous right now. We need to do everything and we need to watch that budget and we need to use it wisely, obviously. Right. Well, I think, um, I think a couple of things. I think you only have one opportunity to make a first impression. So... Um, you know, the first thing is make sure your pro your property is completely staged properly and, and photographed, right? Um, you know, Gibson Sotheby's International Realty has a, has a reputation for quality. Um, so that's not a major concern here. For some other um, firms, it might be, you know, so like the obvious, no iPhone photos. Sure. Just the, launch, the obvious. Launch is critical. Yeah, launch is critical. Mm -hmm. um, so I would definitely say, you know, make sure, you know, that's step one. Make sure that that is everywhere it needs to be. Um, double check your work. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have really great systems set up and so that when your property is entered into MLS, it then feeds to multiple websites. But 
it is just zeros and ones talking to each other. It's computers talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And gremlins happen. So your job as the real estate agent is to make sure that your property is properly presented on all of the major websites. And when I say major, I'm talking really about, you know, kind of like the big three. Gibson Sotheby's International Realty, Sotheby's International Realty, um, Zillow, of course, and I would say Realtor.com. And then if there's a particular one that you know your client is interested in, make sure that that property is, is presented well there. Mm -hmm. um, the nice part is, is that part of your association with Sotheby's International Realty is that it's also going to filter out to major um, national and international websites and some news websites. So that part is that heavy lift is done for you. But you need to make sure that it looks correct, right? right. So, so let's, let's start there. Um, I think when we start looking at then how do you create, you know, that's the big one, right? Um, timing is key when you launch a property online. You don't want to launch a property on a Friday or a Saturday mm -hmm. um, because you're going to lose that opportunity. As much as everything is in an instant world nowadays, it still does take some time for things to feed through. Mm -hmm. And if there are any glitches, you want to make sure that that's, right. that's nipped in the bud prior to, right? So I always recommend like a Tuesday or Wednesday launch. Okay. And that way, if you've got anything, um, it should be fixed by the weekend. Sure. And people are searching, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of it. You definitely want to include an email campaign. You you want to hit up your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. um, if we're talking budgeting, that all that is is elbow grease, and that's sure. putting together your database, right? Yeah. Gibson yeah. Sotheby's International Realty already has the platform for you. You just need to make sure that your database is up to date, yeah. and you work with your OMC, mm -hmm. Office Marketing Coordinator, if you don't know who that is, um, to make sure that that goes out in, in a timely fashion. Yeah. You can also work with the marketing team to get social media up and running. If it's a special property, we can certainly highlight it um, and get all of those pieces out there. So I think as you're looking at it, that launch mm -hmm. is huge. Yeah. Now, as it starts to sit, now we may need to look at, okay, what's going on, right? Yeah. Um, from a clearly marketing perspective, change your photos. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but change your photos. Right. Um, if you have a twilight photo, it should be your lead photo. Uh, the stats are, um, Realtor.com did a, did a study years ago, and then the number one photo that gets clicked on is a twilight photo time and time again. People huh. just like them. Yeah. So if you have one, use it. If you don't have one, let's get one. Um, you know, switching up photos can can make a change there. Sure. Um, I'm assuming we're talking no price reductions here, right? Uh, yeah, no, we're not no. going there. <laughs> we're not going there. <laughs> That's a different um, one. Yeah, and then you can also look at if that property does need some more exposure, if it needs some advertising to go along with it, if it's just not getting the traction. You have, um, through Sotheby's International Realty, there's a variety of co-op advertising opportunities available to you and everything from digital to print. So you could be on the homepage of Mansion Global if you want to mm -hmm. and take that leaderboard position um, or you could be in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of different opportunities where you can show that property a little love as, as you need to. And, and there's different price points. What's your budget? We can yeah. spend $400 or we can spend $30,000. Right. It's up to you. No, that's that's great. And that definitely boils it down um, in terms of where we should be investing now. So things are shifting. If somebody is going to invest more, if an agent's looking at their business, where are you recommending them? Database first. Which is technically um, free. It's technically grease. free. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of elbow grease, right? Yeah. Um, email marketing, mm -hmm. I think is the big one, right? Um, and again, free. Free. Social Time. media. Yeah, it's so here, here's here's the question that they're all asking. What's the silver bullet? Mm -hmm. There isn't one, the magic bullet. There is no magic bullet. Almost all of the answers are elbow grease and time and work, sure. right? Back to basics. Yeah. So I think if we're talking about um, where do I spend my time and my energy, it's database, email, social. Mm -hmm. Where do I spend my money? Connecting with clients. 
community. Community, connecting yeah. with events, right? right? Is it, um, are you sponsoring, you know, a soccer team and going, right? And going, right? Is it a beach day cleanup that you're doing and you're in, you know, and, and you're bringing all the trash bags and whatever and you're inviting your clients to that? You know, right. you know what are those things that you can participate in? Yeah, we happen to be recording this on Halloween. Are you, are you organizing a, a, a trunk or treat? Right. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, just in front. That is such a quality approach too, I think, versus quantity and communities are so much more excited now to be back. Yes. So it's a really yes. good thing to take advantage of. So if you do have some extra money in your marketing budget, I agree with you. I think that that's such a good, such a good tactic. Right. And I would also say, at Gibson Sotheby's International Realty, you want to reach to the marketing team to help create some collateral. Do you need an e-invite? Right. Do you need a social media post to go around that? That's what right. we're here for. And we are involved in so much. Yes. Take advantage. Yes. You know, we have, we're doing almost everything that we're asked in all of our communities. We wish we could do even more, but everything that we're doing as a company, show up, be there, right? You're the face of the company. So I think that that's something that people could really dig deeper into um, with, with this shift. So beyond the standard marketing tactics, how else should agents support their buyers and sellers amid all of these market conditions? Yeah, I think the other thing is, is um, Sotheby's International Realty has an amazing network, right? And so um, in particular in the markets that we serve, when you're looking at Boston, Cape Cod, um, there are a lot of affluent sellers and buyers that are working in markets that are not necessarily in Boston and Cape Cod, right? So get to know your network. Where are your clients buying their secondary homes and tertiary homes? Do they, do they go to Aspen? Right. Do you know the agents in Aspen? Right. right. You should know them because you should be able to refer them. Um, can you support them at that level? You know, really the network is a huge piece. Mm -hmm. um, so I would, I would make sure that you are, are, are understanding who those agents are. And then once you have that relationship, it's really easy to pick up the phone. The other piece of it is for your sellers where you know your feeder market is coming from. If you know that there's a... A, a big company moving into Boston, um, you know, Amazon is moving in, and you know they're going to be pulling in people from Texas. Do you know the agents in Texas, and are you sending your listings to those agents right. so that they can understand what's happening um, and so that they can refer clients to you? You know, we live in a global economy. Real estate, while real estate is very local, right. it's not so much anymore because right. our buyers coming from around from around the globe. And so, understanding where your where your clients are coming sure. from as well when, when they're moving into the into the market and, and connecting with those agents and having those conversations. And taking advantage right now, I, I couldn't agree more because it's like, we are such a diversified market and sure. therefore we're pretty insulated. Um, we have been through different marketing shifts. And right now, what most real estate professionals are doing, especially that have been through shifts before, they're looking, where's the money going, right? right. Where is it gonna stay consistent? And this is Boston, you know, the Boston area, Massachusetts, is a pretty consistent market. We're a place, a place that people are going to want to get to know someone. They're going to want to know how do I how do I plug in there if my market you know is just has one thing and, and that thing's not going well. Um, so it is a, a really important time to dig into your network for sure. I think that goes back to segmenting. That was what had popped into my head when you were talking about segmenting. Is uh, there's one agent in particular I can still remember. She, and you know what? She's friend of mine, and I would always refer to her. But she called. She used the phone, which was great, but way too frequently. She was out in Colorado and. Also, I'm on her email list, but again, the cadence is too frequent and I'm getting information that I don't, that isn't useful to me. Is she friend of mine? Yes. Is she great? Yes. Would I use her? Probably if I had someone to send out that way. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I wanted to kind of boil down that segmentation that you had referred to. If you have someone that you think might be a great resource for you, but you're like, you know what? This person lives on the other side of the country. They probably don't need to get my listings every single week. Maybe look at that. That's where we're saying boil down that database. If it's overwhelming to go through your whole database, pick your top 100, 200 yes. people and utilize them in the right 
capacity, call me once a month and give me a market update because that'd be really great for me to share with my agents or email me a market update. Something that somebody in Boston who's not interested in buying a home on the other side of the country but could refer you business would find useful. Um, I know that those things get a little bit hard to manage, but I think that if we look at a smaller list, that that's absolutely possible. And I think in terms of managing your network, that is gonna be something you have to dig a little deeper because they're not just gonna care about the average things that you're sending to your clients right. on the market because it's not necessarily where they're looking. Um, and that's free too. I mean, we have the relocation referral department. They'll help everybody plug in. And, and having those, you do, you find, we have a lot of success stories especially with the high-end market, because those buyers aren't necessarily on the market, right? We acquired a company on the South Shore. It's one of my favorite stories. And we automatically put, I think it was a Wall Street Journal, I believe, or else it was a New York Times. We automatically put that listing that had been sitting for a long time. That was a very expensive, I believe it was one of the most expensive homes in the town it sold, or the most expensive at the time, into the Wall Street Journal. And it, somebody saw it in New York and ended up coming and buying it. Now he wasn't on the market for it. It was just, it was an expensive home that he didn't know was out there. These people aren't necessarily searching. So those things are good to think about too, calling your sphere when you have mm -hmm. something that you need to move. Um, it might all seem like, oh my gosh, you know, you might make a hundred phone calls and two of them come to fruition. But if that's what we have to do, and again, it's time, which right. isn't free, time is not free, but no, money wise, when we're budgeting, it's, it's a good thing to exercise. Yeah, and I think, um you know, the NAR stats, when you're looking at, if we're talking about marketing, right? Um, cold direct mail. So think about that as the, the, the house in the neighborhood sold and you get the postcard, but you don't know the agent. The conversion rate on that is 2,000 to one. That's 2,000 postcards that need to go out to get one lead. Mm -hmm. Not a client, right? one lead, right? Your conversion rate on past buyers and sellers is something like nine to one, four to one, and then on referrals, it's three to two. Mm -hmm. It's just, simple math. If, right. if, if the business is coming from your sphere, mm -hmm. why aren't you focusing on that? Right. 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 Um, when you were talking about the different things about the market that you serve, I was thinking about that agent in Aspen, what have you, like, I would like an email describing to me the difference between the South End and South Boston. Please tell me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think everyone should right? get that email everyone because get they're that. all confused. <laughs> but how, what makes it different? What makes your community different? Yeah. Um, and, and why is it in, important, right? Um, and, and to your point, yes, the relocation referral department, they have that really great guide near and far, far, right? Yeah, um, near and far. And, and they've already broken everything down for you. Yeah. It's got so much great information that you could take that and really highlight it and share it with your sphere. There's a great opportunity yeah. there. And agents want to know, right? Agents they want, want to know. know. Yeah. If I'm going to refer someone out to, say, Denver, what an interesting thing for me. I'm, I don't want to just make a cold call or hear somebody's friends looking and say, oh, let me hook you up with someone. I want to be able to add to the conversation. Oh, where are they looking? I know a little bit about that neighborhood. It makes everything a little bit more natural. Yes. I don't need a full education on the entire market, but I'd love the snapshot. And right. it makes you probably able to land those referrals a little better, obviously, because you can put it into conversation and actually add value. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think And I would also point. say, um, you know, a little bit off marketing, but you know, from that standpoint, attending networking events, right? Your regional or, or the, the global networking event will help you build that business and, and create those relationships. Sure. Uh, I, uh, uh, the previous company that I worked with, there was a group there that really wanted to focus on it and they made it part of their business plan. Yeah. Um, it took them about a year, um, but they made a real effort to make those referrals a part of their plan. And I, I believe that referrals are now accounting for 25 to 30% of their book of business, which is- That's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, passive revenue. Yes. Um, that's great. So to kind of 
we could talk for, I think, yes, all day. Um, <laughs> and I think we should almost tie this up with just, can we get a little, dig a little bit deeper, a little bit more tactical? What's the ideal cadence for somebody that's putting together a marketing plan? I know all of our agents can sit with you and sort of walk through sure. that, but give me the snapshot, what they should be looking at. So I would say, remember the rule of seven. So you need to touch your clients at least seven times before that they remember you, right? Um, and so it's going to be a matter of what you're comfortable with. And what I'm going to say is going to freak some people out, but just bear with me because it's what you're comfortable with. But I would say social media should be at least two to seven posts per week, mm -hmm. right? So if that's too much, we'll have a conversation. But if you can post at least once a week, that's great. My one recommendation on social is don't just start it and then forget it. Sure. Stick with it. If it scares you, stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, your email newsletters, you should have about two a month, right? So we're at seven, eight, nine, right? So we're already over our seven. Um, we want to do at least one direct mail to your sphere of influence per month. So now I'm at 10 touches, right? And then I want to look at um, client events, two to four per year. Okay. So it's not that hard. If, if you, so one a quarter, right? Right. So, and that could be, you know, just um, you, maybe you can't afford to, to bring all of your clients together, but you find the ones that, that refer you business or can refer you business. Yeah. Focus on them, right? That top 10% that drive business your way. That's who you should be spending your time sure. with, right? And so spend your dollars there. Um, so the big thing I would say is be proactive. You don't want to be reactive. You want to have a system in place. Yeah. And you want to make sure that it's scheduled out. You know, if, if we get the chance to sit down and meet, we'll, you know, I talk to agents about scheduling platforms for social media so that it doesn't get in the way of your business. Because, oh, by the way, you're also supposed to be listing and selling real estate right. through this entire process. Right. So we want to make it as easy as possible, mm -hmm. right? And if you, I'm a, there's a quote, I can't remember that who says it right now, but basically it's control your calendar before somebody else does. Sure. You should right now be looking at 2023 and looking at your marketing and how you're going to schedule that out and plan that out and what's manageable for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think, and it is, it, it does sound overwhelming, but almost to dive a little deeper and give a quick example, I was thinking as you were talking, social media, two to seven posts per week, I would even count stories, right? And Absolutely. I think thinking about social media, meaning stories on Instagram, stories on Facebook, thinking about social media, I think is important. No, we don't all need to know we all, the joke that everyone hears, what you're having for breakfast, things like that. But social media is more of like a conversation. Like I would walk in here today when I saw you and met you here this morning, I might ask you a question about your commute in. I might ask you or tell you a story about, you know, my son from this weekend. Those are natural things when you're building mm -hmm. relationships. You can think of those as you want to do a nice blend, right? If you're hoping to deliver service to somebody, weave in the market, do those things, but don't feel like those two to seven posts. I mean, a few of those, almost half of them could be just your regular life, something you're interested in, a hobby, maybe a nice walk that you take in your community because we're saying, you know, really niche down into those communities. Those can be pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And my suggestion is put it on your calendar, like you said, put it on your calendar as look at your week, plan them, and like put it on your calendar as time that yep. doesn't get booked so that you just do it. That's what I have to do. Um, and then email marketing, one to two per month. The newsletter, yes, first of all, we have the newsletter canned. Yeah, you can just use it, one. it's done, just opt in. But you also might want to think about the fact that like you probably want to have something going on one to two times a month, right? Something that you can say just sold or just listed or mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Um, that's very doable and something, again, that you can time block for. We do have the canned newsletters and it takes not a lot of time to go through it and maybe add your own articles, add your own listings. Those are done for you. Well, the nice part is, is that you can reach to your OMC who will help you. You right. don't have to do it on your own. Right. Yeah, they'll sit with you. Um, and then client events, again, sounds overwhelming if you shop for two per year. But I liked what you said. Maybe it's inviting a few people. I know we have an agent, Madeline Cantor. I always give her a shout out. She does... Um, 
housewarming parties that are incredible for, and you could count those, right? And maybe sure. you don't do one every single time. Maybe you shoot to do two a year, um, but she goes and she doesn't stay for long, but she hosts really. She, she brings the food, things like that. And she hangs for a bit. If she's good friends, she'll stay the whole time, but it's a really nice way to touch your sphere and yeah. really remind them. Um, and the direct mail one per month is we do that. Yeah. Um, we really, and, and you should have something going on every month that you could send something out, right? Like I said, just listed, just sold, um, just a tech uh, market report, something like that. So I just wanted to boil it down to say like, that sounds like a lot, but it's not. And if you put it on your calendar, it, most of it, we already have done for you as a matter of opting in. Um, so that's a great place to start. And then I think people need to talk to you about the plans for 2023. Yeah. I think that you are such a, a powerful asset to our agents, to the company in terms of, like I said, the really thing I want to hone in on is what's our strategy? What are we looking right. at going forward? And I hope that everybody can take advantage, but I'm so grateful for your time as I know you're so busy. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time. Yeah. It was fun. Thanks for listening, guys. This was really fun. Like I said, we started to do this series just in um, the spirit of collaboration. We were always such a collaborative company. We want to share ideas. There's tons of ways to do that, and there's going to be tons of different speakers that you could hear. But this is so imperative right now that we have Jenny as a resource. Um, she has great strategy. She's got a great toolbox. She can help us all. So please reach out to Jenny to do your 2023 marketing strategy. Um, and if you have any other questions based on what we said today, we're both happy to jump on and talk directly one-on-one -on -one to anyone that would like to do so. Thank you so much.